Hello and welcome to Otaku Street. Today it is just myself, Adam, and Jamal here because our buddies Chris and Wopay seem to have forgotten that we record a podcast every week. So that's fine. They might pop in, they might not. And if they don't, then it's fine. It's all good. The show must go on. As the late, great Freddie Mercury one said. <laughs> oh, so there's something I want to share. I can't get into spoilers. I just know that Vegeta was trending on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it and I got so psyched. I'm mad I spoiled myself, but I can't wait to see what happens in the chapter that comes. They finally gave Vegeta some fucking love. I know. So I I think I mentioned it like probably like as far back as like episode one or two that I uh, started quote unquote watching Dragon Ball Super and I literally watched like the first two episodes and then I haven't really gone back and I know I have to I will at some point but I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Dragon Ball so I see Vegeta trending on Twitter and I'm like Vegeta like why is Vegeta trending not even just Dragon Ball Super or like Goku like it's Vegeta specifically and I'm like all right well this might be cool so I click on the trending page or whatever. And yeah, so I saw the image as well. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, there are people that don't like it for some reason. And I don't understand why you wouldn't like that. Because first of all, that is very re- reminiscent of Majin Vegeta. Yes. And that was like one of my favorite forms of Vegeta. Or was it, was it Majin Vegeta or Baby Vegeta? Might have been Baby Vegeta. Probably closer to Baby Vegeta just because there's a feature that has been shown with some characters Mm -hmm. and then is prevalent in now Vegeta. So it kind of gives homage to, I want to say, those characters while still making it Vegeta's new thing. Yeah, I was a fan of it. Like, obviously, like I said, I haven't really been watching uh, or reading any of the manga, but seeing that it definitely sparked a little bit of interest in like just getting back into Dragon Ball because it's always been tight. It's always going to be tight. But it's just seeing like, obviously Vegeta's just cool. He always gets his ass beat though. Like everyone knows like Vegeta just gets his ass beat and then it's Goku that comes in and saves the day. Even though Vegeta used to be tight, but then now Vegeta's just like another Piccolo. Um, but just just to see this this new form of Vegeta where he's like, yeah, I'm about to wreck shit like that's that's awesome to see i hope not just because we already seen what goku can do with what he has so there's nothing really new he can bring to the table at least what i know mm. and then plus the way the story is i guess i would say that there's a stronger connection to both Goku and Vegeta, but I want to say it's stronger with Vegeta just because of what he knows. Mm-hmm. But that's all I really want to say. Because like who he's been training with, right? Not so much that. It's more so, I guess the only real spoiler I can say is that it deals with the Saiyans. So that's all I'm going to really say about it. It might not be what you think it is. You know, think about what you want. Read the manga. But this is not in... Right now, the story is obviously not in the anime that's already out. Right. Oh, and then, by the way, so... You say you started watching Super, and then you, you watched the first two episodes, did you, and you fell off. Did you see the Dragon Ball Super movies? I watched the uh, Broly one. Okay. Um. Actually, no, I did see the one with Beerus, too. That was, like, the first one. So, have you seen... The first two movies, I forgot what the second, I forgot what the first one was called. The second one was called Resurrection F. If you see those, you can skip at least, I want to say, maybe 50 episodes of Super. I don't know. But you can skip a good bit just because the first couple episodes just cover everything in the first two movies. Right. So you can also just watch those movies and then like get to a certain point like, and just watch Dragon Ball Super from there. Yeah, because the first movie was Beerus, and that was like just the introduction to the new series. And then Resurrection F was Frieza, where Frieza went in like golden Frieza mode. Exactly. And I didn't watch that, but I know about it. And then I've I've seen like clips in like 
all kinds of stuff from like the tournament of power. Like obviously I drew that picture with Vegeta and Jiren. Mm -hmm. So obviously I know that Jiren's tight. I know uh, that like that female Saiyan from another universe, she like fused with someone else and then they became like a a female Broly. Yeah. Well, no, no, they, no, they fused, but they became a different character. The character that the two female Saiyans, one of the female Saiyans was basically a female Broly. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, you know, it's all, it's all the same shit. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, shit. What was I going to say? I had, I had something that I, I was getting towards, but anyways, um, oh, what I wanted to say is, uh, if you guys don't want this quick little spoiler that we discovered on Twitter, I would just skip forward like two minutes because it won't be long, but I do kind of want to just say it outright. So if you don't want to get spoiled, then go ahead and skip right now. All right. Now that those people have skipped forward really quick. So Ultra Instinct is a Saiyan specific power, right? No, it's actually a power by the angels. And oh, right. And same thing with. Did you saw what Vegeta's power is on? I looked at like the panel where he turned into the God of Destruction Vegeta mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly what it's got. Vegeta was practicing God of Destruction. You can guess who was training him. Was he training with Beerus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's pretty fucking wild. I mean, like I said, some people don't really like the design, but Vegeta with no eyebrow exactly it's tough it just fits him it's more of a hardcore look i want to say which matches vegeta's personality no eyebrow vegeta is op vegeta and uh, first of all super saiyan 3 had no eyebrows exactly that's why i was saying homie is to one of the past characters with baby vegeta and super saiyan 3 goku yeah so like you know shut up enjoy it it looks cool exactly So anyways, uh, now that we are back on track, we are done talking about Dragon Ball and the potential spoiler that was discovered on Twitter. Anything else we want to banter about before we get into uh, Joran? Mm, I know I saw on Twitter that even though Skate 4 is not going to be shown at EA Play, there is going to be some news regarding the game that's going to come out if you're a fan or anybody who's listening is a fan of Skate 4. I played Skate 1 a decent amount. Didn't really play Skate 2, and then I played Skate 3 a little bit as well. But I was never, like, huge into it. When we were younger, I was really big on, like, the Tony Hawk games, especially, Mm -hmm. like, Underground and Thug 2, American Wasteland. And then I tried to play... I can't remember if it was Tony Hawk... It was like it's like Tony Hawk Project Red or something like that. I can't remember if that was the name of it, but it was like back then the graphics were like phenomenal because it was on the 360, I, I think. And I played the demo a whole lot because back then I had no money to buy games. So I just played demos all the time. I don't know if you remember <clears throat> the PlayStation Magazine like demo discs. You remember those? Vaguely describe them. So back when PlayStation magazine was like a huge thing with like the ps1 they would send out like demo discs with the magazines and then a lot of times they had like mostly trailers and stuff for upcoming games but then they also had demos for one that had like a demo for crash bandicoot 2 like spyro um they had demos for all kinds of like weird games that no one really remembers the names of i think there was one called like tonka or something like that it's like some caveman dude with like pink hair that I remember like very, very clearly. But anyways, uh, I actually have a bunch of them. So one day when uh, we go over to Chris's house again, I want to bring those bad boys and you guys can just see like how hyped up they were to release PS1 games back in the day. It was actually pretty cool. I wonder how much they go for now. I imagine like a lot of people have them. But just knowing that, like, I'm the only person that I know of that has those discs. Granted, back then, I didn't buy them. My brothers did. Or specifically one of my brothers. Because um, I was back when he played video games. But uh, so I carried on the legacy. And uh, I still have those fucking things. Like, fucking, how many years is that now? Like, 24 years later? Good Lord. Jeez. Goddamn. Yeah. Those are 
24, 23-year-old discs. Shit's wild. Hey, they become a collector's item. You'll never know what's going to fetch for a high price at some point. That's true. They're not in like tip tip top shape, but you know, they're still playable, I think. I would imagine. If it's still in working order, then that's great. Oh, yeah. One more thing, unless you have something to talk about um before we get into this episode. So my manager at work was telling me how I guess a while ago there was a meme or something that one dude was selling on eBay, like a PS5, right? But it was a PS5 logo. And then in the description, he literally said, just so you know, this is not an actual PS5. This is just the image. And he's just selling the image. And he put $500. But he literally put, I think, in the title and description, he said, this is just an image. But then he got away, because some people don't read, literally was selling two of them junks. (laughs) <laughs> selling images of ps5 an image of a ps5 <laughs> or like the logo or something i don't know but For yeah five hundred dollars yep just print them bad boys out and thousand dollars why like why <laughs> i guess you why, want to like see- why <laughs> go through with that too like if you say hey this is not a ps5 this is just the logo and someone's stupid enough to be like i want that like why would you feel how do you not feel morally morally obligated to just say, hey, guy, it's not a PS5. You're not going to buy this. You're an idiot. Why would you just continue? Maybe his way of saying that is going through with the transaction. Yeah, I mean, what? He said it in the description and everything for someone like, hey, this is not a PS. This is not an actual PS5. But Jesus Christ. That's what crazy. a dick. <laughs> Speaking of trying not to get scammed by scalpers online, as you know, I uh, recently purchased Xbox Series X because my Xbox One, which was like the generation one from like 2013, uh, recently gave up. Yeah, I still, I had it for eight years pretty much and it was still working. No real hiccups. A few here and there would be like, why isn't this thing turning off? Like what's going on? But then you'd just go on about your day and it would never really happen again. And then all of a sudden, you know, just finished playing Valhalla because that game is a thousand hours long and way too, way too long. So I finally turned that off, uninstalled that, and I felt great about it. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to play Skyrim for the first time. Skyrim's a pretty good game. So, and I love the Fallout games. So I think it's about time I play some Skyrim. Started playing it, went to bed, got up the next day. It was like a weekend and I tried to turn it on and I saw nothing but a black screen. So my Xbox One finally got what's called the black screen of death. Every Xbox has something of death. And I guess with the Xbox One, it's now just a black screen. Something like that happened to me when I had my 360 before I got my PS4. I got it. I didn't get it right when it came out. I probably got like two years or something after, or maybe a year after it came out. And then the spring before the PS4 came out, because PS4 came out in November of 2013. So in March, I want to say March or April, my 360, my 360, and this was like the, no, this was, this was the black version, I think. I forget what it's called, 360 Elite or something. But anyways, yeah. it just got the red ring of death. So then I was just stuck without the natural con. Well, I had my Wii, but that fell, yeah. that fell off at some point. But yeah, I was stuck without console for like, how long is that? Let's see, 3, 11, like 7, 8 months? That was a weird way of counting how many months you were <laughs> out without a system. <laughs> huh. So it died then. That's 3. Uh, and then 11, 42, carry the nine, about <laughs> six months. That's kind of similar to, obviously, I didn't, you know, wait nine months until I got a new Xbox, but so my Xbox died. And then I was, I recently got Mario Golf for my Switch. So I was just playing that for what felt like a month, but it probably was only like two weeks, maybe a week and a half. And I was like, you know what, screw it. I need to get an Xbox because like nobody plays this. And whenever you do try to play Mario Golf online, 
it's a fucking shit show. It's so laggy. Uh, there are connection errors, like left and right. And I mean, that's, that's pretty on par with like Nintendo games on the Switch. Like almost every game is like that. So it was kind of to be expected. But so then I went on a went on Marketplace and I was like, dude, screw it. I'll pay a little bit extra to get a fucking Series X because all these scalpers have hundreds of them selling for like $800, $900. So then I was like, you know what? Here's one for five ninety. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll just do it. So turns out it was some like 19-year-old kid just trying to sell it because he got a hold of a digital PS5 and uh, went pretty smoothly. Seems to be in working order right now. And uh, now I'm playing Cyberpunk. So next gen, baby. Hey, quick question. Is Emmy brushing her teeth or something? No, that is. <laughs> so the toilet upstairs uh, has a has an issue where if you flush it, like the water runs for like five minutes. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, I, I still need to go to Home Depot and fix that up. But it's okay. Just allowing some transparency for the people listening. Yeah, in case anyone was wondering where where the running water was coming from, it is, and and it's done. Okay, yep. cool. <laughs> and, yeah, so that's the bathroom. That's how we do things around here, living in Baltimore, baby. Hey, but speaking of, let's talk about how Sawa's been living. <laughs> <laughs> Always at Master the master of segues. <laughs> how she's been living ever since she escaped with Asahi. All right, so just to get everyone on board with what we're talking about, obviously we've been doing an ongoing weekly watch and review of Joran, Princess of Snow and Blood. And uh, this week we decided to get a double header in. So we watched episodes seven and eight. And we are three, or uh, yeah, three quarters way through, no, no, two thirds through the season. So we have four more episodes and that should only take another two two podcasts instead of 17. And this was actually a good double header to have. Mm-hmm. I think so too. We lucked out. Because a lot happened and then everything that happened, this seems the perfect transition from what happened to what leads to next. It was totally unplanned. It's totally unplanned. It was literally like, you know how a lot of animes will go like, they'll say battle of, Battle of the Brothers Part One or something like that, mm-hmm. like it Naruto definitely... versus Sasuke, like the final battle. Like they exactly. literally had like what an hour or something for that, and it released at the same time. This it just worked out. Finished watching the last episode, I'm like oh, Adam suggested, you suggested, yeah, let's do a double header. We all agreed and worked out perfectly. Yeah, it turns out those were the two perfect episodes to do it on. So. I guess, I don't know, we have we have our shit in order more than we thought. So coming off of uh, episode six, we know that uh, Sawa and Asahi are on their way to that like little community, like cabin area to escape the organization because Sawa had faked her death. And Suki or, you know, M- M- is it Monaco? Monica? I can't remember her name. Makoto. Makoto. Makoto slash Suki gave Asahi some pills to fake Sawa's death, and that led us into episode seven. And so it opens episode seven where they get to the community and they're just like kind of wondering where to start. And then they go to, I guess that was like a school. Was that what it was? Like a, ch- like a children's school, the first place they went to? I think so. Well, you know, first they get situated in their cabin. And right. I found interesting that Asahi had to question Sawa if she was going to kill the spider that freaked Asahi out. Mm, and then right. Sawa literally stopped herself like, huh, yeah, I guess I did say I was not killing. And that just shows how precious she treats like, like even an insect. As you know, I feel like usually people just like, oh, an insect like squash, but and Sawa, after killing so many people, even insect's life is so precious after she's you know went through that traumatic event with Janome and everything. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, that little scene was it served two purposes, obviously for a character development of Sabwa saying, like, you know, she's finally turning a corner and listening to Asahi and not trying to kill anybody or anything, because the old Sawa is dead. And now she's only going by Sawa instead of 
what was her what, what was the name she was going by? Her well, obviously her first name has obviously stayed the same. Her last name right. was she, the alias. So instead of Karasumori, her actual name she went by Yukimura. Yukimura, right? So Yukimura is dead, and Sawa is now just Sawa instead of like you know the elite assassin that she always was. And then the second purpose was that it's foreshadowing, uh, as we'll get to uh, in a little bit, uh, foreshadowing to the end of episode eight. Well, pro- like, More like the middle. Yeah, like halfway point of episode eight. So as the or at the aforementioned school for children that Saba and Asahi go to, Asahi is invited to go play with the kids because she's new and <laughs> On her way to do so, she just falls, <laughs> and for no other reason than to progress the story. To introduce the slight love interest for the episode for Sawa, mm-hmm. the teacher, or I mean, they called they called him Sensei. So I mean, that's fine. So the Sensei of the school, or at least that class, comes over and helps Asahi, and then Sawa walks over, and they look at each other, and then it fast forwards. Was it how many how many months did it fast forward? It was winter, and by the time where the end of the episode took place, I want to like it was cherry blossoms, and then I look online. Cherry blossoms in Japan take place between mid March and through May, so mm. at some point during that time. So like late spring, almost early summer yeah, time. So we'll say like what mid April, just to be safe. So a good amount of months happen. Yeah, it jumped forward like five months or so. So then, you know, after that jump forward in time, they're pretty situated. And uh, Asahi or uh, Sawa thanks the sensei for always looking after Asahi. Then different scenes started popping up. You started seeing more backstory of Suki and Jin. It's popping back and forth between stories. Okay, Suki's looking for the treasures left by the treasurer. I don't remember what episode this took place when she first started. I want to say episode three is when, or maybe by the end of episode two was when she started looking. And then, you know, we see that's happening. She finds the rest of the three or four, however many there were. And then at some point she meets up with Jin. And Jim's no fool. He knew about the fake death. He just played along. He's like, okay, yeah. Just going along with their farce, you know. I know where to find Sawa if I really want to find her, but I'm let her be. She's cool. Now leave her alone if you give me those pills. Or so Jin had the painkillers because uh, Tsuki was, you know, she was addicted to them, is what I, you know, what it looked like. And that's why she was always hallucinating. But she needed them because her mechanical hand slash completely dilapidated arm. So Jen is saying, you know, if you give me that, what's in that case, I'll give you these pills because I know you want them slash need them. And so Suki hands over two containers of the coagulated blood samples in the case and in return gets the pain pills. And then she starts walking away. And basically the interaction ends with Suki saying that I will get Sawa back from you or uh, Yukimura. So, you know, they're kind of both fighting for or Sawa for their own reasons, which we'll come to discover later on in that episode and the end of episode eight. So then after that, we see Sawa, Asahi, and the sensei basically, or Sawa and Asahi are preparing for some festival, I guess. And then they go look at the festival or they try to go find the festival and no one's there. So the sensei is like, well, you know, I can maybe try this. So then he brings them out into like the middle of some like river where the moon's shining really bright. And Asahi is enamored by it. And then Asahi's like, hey, Sawa, you look really cute when you smile. I'm going to leave now. She's trying to, you know, put her in a situation. She's her wing girl. She's her wingman, you know. She sees a situation like, oh, like this little girl has some grown-ass thoughts. So he's like, oh, I'm going to leave you to be. He's like, oh, let me tell you why I forgot. Look really cute when you smile, and then dips. Yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, obviously the the whole meaning behind it is like oh, she's a little girl, but then it was also like, hmm, I, I don't know if I agree with this little 
pitching situation where she's trying to set up the sensei with Sawa. I mean, for obvious reasons, like she wants Sawa to be married, even though Sawa said that I don't plan on being married. So as Sawa and the sensei are sitting there, they're talking about, you know, stuff that I didn't really care about. I don't even know if it was important, but he was just like going on and on about whatever. So then all of a sudden, Suki pops up. Oh, remember, Suki was already in the village because she popped up one time oh, beforehand, right, yeah. but then Sawa was sleeping, but Asi was next to her. And Suki was just blown that he was like, oh, Sawa can't change. And then when Asahi was having none of that, Suki said, yeah, I should have killed you when I had the chance or something like that. I'm like, damn, like, what's your deal? I honestly, I never really understood what Suki's uh, motivation was to helping out Sawa, but I guess we finally got that big reveal in the next episode slash this one, if you were kind of intuitive about it. So like she was, she had this whole obsession with Sawa because she was like an unkillable agent for the organization. She like, you know, admired how, how on guard she was all the time and no, nobody could like kill her or hurt her. So she goes up, she sees Sawa sleeping outside of the house and then like she's like oh this is disappointing like you're you don't know there's no shred of like of defense here you're just helpless and so that was really getting under suki's uh skin um and then asahi's like no yukimura is dead it's just sawa now blah 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 and then suki kind of like hides because like a village member was coming by so that was when we already saw that suki was in the village then we go back to what I was mentioning there in the, in the woods at night and Suki pops up and then she like pulls Saba aside and, you know, it's kind of just saying like, you used to be so much more than this. And this started getting a little intense because she's like holding onto Saba's hand or arm really, really tightly. So then the sensei is like, like over and they walk away. And then at the end of that scene, you see a white cat rubbing up against Suki's leg and you're like, is that just a cat from the village? Like, what's like, where did this cat come from? And I didn't really take notice of it right away. But then the very next scene, uh, the sensei and Sawa are walking back to Sawa's house where Asahi had uh, vanished off to because she was like, I just hope that, you know, they kind of hit it off. And then as they're standing there, Sawa starts walking forward. And then the sensei is just standing there and he's like not moving. And all of a sudden you hear the classic anime, like slight pain sound is uh, like whatever the fuck that is. So then you're just like, oh, I already know this dude's about to die because that's just how it works. And before we get to you, there is a brief thing I just thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was like funny, interesting was when, because the sensei mention like Sawa acts like you're not gonna ask about like the whole Suki situation mm-hmm. and he, he was like well you don't want to talk about it right so then she walks forward but while still holding hands he like says like hold on like the motion of like you know grabbing her hand tighter and said if there's something that's painful I would like to help out and then he had this grin on his face like yeah I just put I just said that sweet shit <laughs> I'm just, yeah <laughs> I'm just... yeah I'm playing my cards right exactly and then that's when that whole despair like okay this guy's yeah. about to die yeah because you couldn't really see behind him at all so you're like oh you know in classic anime fashion something's about to happen his fucking head's about to explode but then so it goes it, the camera turns to his back and then there's just a blood spot like getting wider and wider on his back. And you're like, ah, yeah, he's dead. Great. Great. Yeah, of course. He, of course. Situation. You can guess who did it. So then he falls. And so I was like, oh, my God, sensei, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the fuck? And then without any hesitation, she hears Asahi scream. And then she just runs away, forgets about the sensei like immediately. But I think with good reason, like Asahi's obviously closer to her and stuff. So she she hears Asi uh, screaming from the house. She runs up to the house and she sees the whole building is basically like just, you know, torn apart, like from the inside out. And then she sees Asahi sitting there. She looks up on the roof and there's Suki. And you're just like, oh, dude, this shit's getting crazier. Like Suki's fucking losing it with the combination of her obsession and like her addiction to pain pills and her hallucinations. And 
all of a sudden, well, before, before that, like, so I was like, what the fuck? Like, why did you do this? And, uh, she's like, you need to have your revenge. Basically your revenge has never been settled. Like you still need that. And I need to help you get to that. So then all of a sudden Suki just transforms because that cat that we saw earlier, the white cat is another like fucking animal or, or what, it, what the, it like basically turns you into a changeling. I don't think it's specifically the animal. I think when whoever takes, so I think the animal just whatever animals specifically closer to that person. So for example, like when the cat showed up, Suki was looking at the vial of the coagulated blood. Mm-hmm. And then, so since the animal was close to Suki, since she saw it purring against and rubbing itself against Suki's leg, I'm assuming that's why it's because the, that cat was the one to help Suki transform. Yeah, whatever the reason, it's just like it it seems the trend is that like whatever animal it is, it's a white animal. Just like Nana is a white raven. Well, it wasn't a white snake though, which Nome. Well, didn't I don't know if those did did he like conjure those or were those like real snakes that he was like that he had? Uh I don't know how he could conjure. I'm assuming it's real snake that he just injected with blue blood or something, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. I just noticed that because the cat was white, I was like, oh, well, Nana's white, the cat's white. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, that is true. Maybe there's, you know, no, no correlation there, but that was just my observation. So then, you know, the cat merges with Suki and she turns into this giant cat demon looking thing. And that was terrifying. And you're just like, oh shit. I did see, like, everyone saw this coming because she had the coagulated blood and she only gave two to Jin. When there were three, I think. Before. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, great. And then, you know, she put, put it up to the moon and then she's like, yeah, it's time. So she transforms, jumps down, standing in front of uh, Asahi. And then Saba's like, don't hurt Asahi. Like, what the fuck? If you want to kill someone, you got to kill me. And then Suki again is like, no, I, I can't kill you. You need to finish your job. Like, you need to have your revenge. And I'm just trying to help you. And I want Yukimura back. Yeah. Like, I want the old you, not, you know, this, you know, sad and sad peaceful <laughs> right. yeah so she is threatening to kill asahi so i was like no don't and then she's like and then suki's like if you even like try to stop me like i'll be finished killing asahi before we even start so then so i was like no i'm not gonna let you do that so she grabs her sword starts running and suki kills asahi with one strike you know what i find interesting about that situation is that earlier in this episode, Asahi was petting a white cat, and the woman that introduced or brought those two into the temple said to Asahi, don't come crying to me if it hurts you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's that same cat, but since it's a white cat, the fact that now Asahi is now dead by Suki transforming with that with a white cat, I think it's the same cat. Like, that's just... And they don't even say explicitly. So it's something you really have to pay attention. That's something I do like about this show. You really have to pay yeah. attention and know it's all the foreshadowing and the little hints that they'll give you without explicitly saying it. Yeah. And so if you're not watching the show with us and you're just, like, kind of listening to us talk about it, the cat was in the episode earlier. It was the first cat... Or actually, no, the second cat that Asi saw in the village... And that was the only cat that Asi started petting while it was like laying down, sleeping on the on the ground. And then that's when the lady was like, if it hurts you, don't come crying to me. Obviously, a little bit of foreshadowing there, which is what the series has been all about. And uh, I think it is the same cat that she was petting that transformed with Suki. So just a little bit of like kind of planting the seed early on in the episode that obviously no one would guess that would be the outcome. But turns out the cat did hurt Asahi. Um, so Asahi fucking died. I mean, who knows if she's dead permanently, but she was dead. So Sawa transforms, holding Asahi in her hands. Nana comes and she fucking goes into the changeling mode and they start duking it out. Finally, fucking finally. And the fight was great too. I enjoyed that fight. 
yeah, they, they had a whole bunch of like different animations for it. Like at first it was just like going back and forth, back and forth. Suki got the upper hand. Uh, she started like kind of beating the shit out of Sawa a little bit, pinned her on the floor, got like really close into her face. Like, wow, this is like really scary type shit. Mm-hmm. So then Sawa's like, get the fuck off of me. And she just like squirms her way uh, out of her, out of Suki's grasp, like kicks her off of her. And then she gives a fucking Randy Orton drop kick <laughs> out of nowhere. I'm so to glad Suki. you mentioned that because I was like, damn. I did not know she had that kind of power in her. I know she was like stronger, obviously, than most people, but that kind of kick, I was impressed, <laughs> to say the least. That was a fucking roundhouse right there. So she fucking just dove into her with all her might, and Suki went flying into this fucking building, like lightning speed, like fucking straight up, like out of Dragon Ball Z, like exactly. someone punched. Exactly. That's the exact kind of vibe I got out of it. Just came rushing like, hold on a second, with her famous screams, and then just rocked mm-hmm. the shit out of her. But then Suki got straight up because, of course, that's how fights work. People get oh, blown yeah. through buildings. You know, they can shatter rocks or whatever, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Bet. Brush it off. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you mentioned, we did get some good Sawa screams in this episode, too, obviously, because people are dying like especially Asahi dying, you're just like, okay, here comes a great scream from from Sawa. So Suki grabs, or I'm sorry, Sawa grabs her sword because like Suki threw it away, and then they start fighting some more. And then Suki gets a good ass cut on Sawa, and then they do basically like a samurai showdown type of like you don't know who got cut because they're both just standing there. But then all of a sudden you see. Suki turn around and picks up her sword as if she's going to slash Sawa on the back. And then in classic anime fashion, you see blood spurt everywhere. So then that tells you that Sawa got the, you know, the, the finishing blow on Suki. Sawa afterwards, the look of disgust in her face, like she was just done with Suki's bullshit. Mm-hmm. She wanted nothing to do with Suki. And then Suki just kept talking. And then she just got more and more cold-hearted towards her. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, because Suki fell to the ground and then the cat ran away. Like, she untransformed back to her human self. And then you finally get this whole, like, monologue from Suki saying, like, or Saba's like, are you happy now? Like, you killed fucking Asahi, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you ruined her whole life. Yeah, like, you ruined everything. And then Suki's like, yes, I am happy because now I'm the center of your world. Like, what the fuck like, is wrong with you? That's some crazy-ass obsession, dog. I, I never, like, up until this point, who the fuck saw this coming? Like, at what point was Suki obsessed with Sawa to this degree? Right, like, we knew she loved Sawa. But I mm. had no idea it would be to this extent. It was weird to watch, and it made me uncomfortable. But obviously, I was like, dude, Sawa, I know you said I'm not going to kill anyone because of Asahi, but like, please just kill this bitch. Obviously, that's what Suki wanted, so it was also the conflict of that. But then as she was about to go like finish her off, she heard Asahi in, you know, in her memory saying, oh, you're not going to kill it, right? Or something like that. Or you're done killing. And then Sawa starts like, freaking out that PTSD that we saw a few episodes ago starts coming back and she starts having a little freak out session. Suki gets jealous. Suki gets, you know, she's getting weirded out. She's like, Oh, I guess it was never my spot to be, you know, the only person you think about. Cause you're thinking about someone else. Yeah. You're about to kill me. And then even now you're still thinking about someone else, aren't you? And like, then, Fuck you. and then just starts to, Say this one line, no word. I'm guessing Shakespeare. That's what I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something about the world being your stage. Like, every person has, yeah. like, a role to play. Just, like, just shut up. <laughs> right. Whatever you're talking about. So then, dude, the next part. This blew me. I'm like, what the hell just happened? By far, by far the craziest fucking part of this entire anime so far. So Sawa looks up into the sky. She sees a bunch of like crows or birds or whatever they were just like flying around. I don't know what kind of bird. I thought they were crows. And then they all, they all spread apart. And in the middle of the screen is the red moon. And then 
coming from that moon, like you see another bird, or at least what you think is a bird, right? And you're like, why is that one bird flying so aggressively towards Sawa? So then as it fucking gets closer and closer, that's not a bird, dude. That's not a fucking like regular bird. All of a sudden, this giant fucking human crow creature comes down and just pierces Suki directly in the chest. Impales the fuck out of her, dog. And I was like, because I was already kind of freaking out that Suki had just transformed, right? I was like, it's finally time like someone else fucking transformed that isn't Sawa. And then to end like that uh, part of the episode, or so this is episode uh, eight. Episode seven ended when um, uh, Tsuki was about to like kill Did Asahi, it? right? I, I think it ended so. Yeah, this is the crow. Also, the crow killed Tsuki. I don't think we're at episode eight quite yet because. No, that, that was episode eight. Episode seven was before the fight. Or no, she had just killed Asahi. Yeah, that yeah, episode Oh yeah, that was episode seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she just killed Asahi and then they saw a transform, they're about to fight, and then that yeah. starts episode eight. Yeah. Okay, so we were so just in the middle of it. So that's when episode eight had started. You see it opens up with Asahi bloody on the floor, and then that's when they fight. So this is midway through episode eight now, when the giant crow man fucking just destroys Suki. So she killed or the, the bird thing kills Suki and no words, no dialogue at all. So I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like that the thing flies away. The world literally came with the sole mis- mission to kill Suki and then just bounce. Didn't stay like how you would expect. So, there was no time for Sala to like process like, what is this creature? Like you normally see in anime. It just came impaled and dipped out. Mm-hmm. I was so just I don't know. I was just so shook. <laughs> like, what the uh, hell yeah, just was... happened? Who is this person? Is that Joran or Joran? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? I don't know. I don't know. What I think... So, hold on. Well, do we do predictions after we're done with the episode, or do we want to just do them now? Let's keep talking, because my prediction okay. is kind of what happened after, like, I watched, continue watching episode. I have, like, predictions of who that is. Okay. So... Then the thing flies away. Then the very next scene is Jin and all the cleaners. Well, because uh, Sawa had like collapsed. She was just like way too just like distraught and like tired. And she had a cut of her own. So she just passed out. So Suki's dead. Asahi's dead. Sensei's dead. Sawa's on the ground like passed out. And then the next scene, Jin is getting into the car where he has... I can't remember that guy's name that was in the car with him. Is see, I was wondering when I saw him, is that that guy Travis? It might be. Cause I'm I don't know who else would be. It wasn't when Jin it wasn't after Jin's meeting with Tokugawa. Cause he just left those people there. And I know when Sawa and Hanakaze went um the mission right before Hanakaze died. Um, one of the du- that guy Travis dipped out because they killed everybody else. So I'm thinking it's that guy Travis, but I don't remember just because of the outfit and everything. I don't remember the exact outfit. I don't remember either. That guy Travis I, wore. I know because he knew that that Jin killed the doctor. Um, I think the dude is connected to Tsuki somehow. I can't remember exactly how. I'm thinking um, it was part of the same organization, probably because obviously Tsuki worked with the doctor the dude that jim brought with him that he was interrogating earlier is the doctor is his foster father that dude yeah. so i don't know and then and his and his brother is someone else too because he was like if you want your brother alive like you're gonna do exactly as i say basically mm-hmm. and if it is that guy travis there was a point a couple episodes back i don't remember exactly what episode i want to say episode five was when Suki brought weapons to that group that Sawa and Hanakaze mm. fought. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, they're connected somehow. I'm, just, I'm drawing a blank right now. But honestly, it's not the most important thing. It's um, not. It's just a little snippet that <laughs> just happened. So Jin has all of his cleaners there, and he's uh, and they're all like cleaning up the fight area. And um, 
So then they're like going into the house, the lady that was in the village that had previously like came up to Sawa and Asahi's house. She talks to the cleaners and she's like, oh, there's one more spot that needs cleaning. And they pull back the floorboards from the house and there's a skeleton there. Whose skeleton is that? See, I'm not sure because the teeth look weird, but I don't know if that's just because like the incisors and whatever, like the first like few front teeth are missing or if it's remember a changeling i don't know because i remember in the beginning of this episode like the foreshadow and like kindly hints Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the in the beginning of episode seven there was someone pacific that sawa and ase were supposed to meet but then that woman said she died because she got sick now i remember her mentioning that her grandmother told her about Sawa and Asahi. So I don't know if, if that woman, I think her name started with an O. Like Orin or something like that. Yeah. So if that grandmother is Orin, I'm assuming it's that grandmother. I don't know for Probably. sure. Because that's the only hint that we even have. We got. Yeah. So obviously going off of that, we don't know who this woman is, but there's something going on with this lady like this was all planned at some point and i think that's how jin no knew where they were at because of that lady it was either jin, that's how jin knew or that's how tsuki knew or no because tsuki was our like she told asawa to go to that place exactly she told us so to go there so i'm thinking it's that okay. woman so jin so jin has connections to that like little village somehow because he fucking knows everybody mm-hmm so we'll just put it at that until we know more that that lady is connected to the organization and it was never actually a safe place to go. Exactly. Um, so Jin is driving away and he has the dude in the car and the dude's like freaking out. He's like, fuck, like I'm fucked basically. But then you see Nana's flying near the car and Sawa is in the back of the car passed out. And then everyone else, everyone else, was like buried or taken away by the cleaners. So then we get to this little old cabin, this like rundown cabin, and that's where there is something I want to mention. Could then this this is like the first part of my projection. So I'm wondering if that giant crow bird is Jin. I'm not a hundred percent sure at this point, or I'm not even close to being. It's just like more of a speculation, only because at first when I guess I'm referring to it as that guy, Travis, until further on. Jane grabbed him by the shirt because he was acting out of line. And he was trying to help him out in a sense. And then yeah. you see blood on Jin's hands. But then you see Saul on the back. She's bleeding on the floor. So, I mean, it already made sense that if Jin carried Sawa in. But then it yeah. even showed like an actual zoom in on Jin's like bloody hand. But then since it was a crow bird, Suki was impaled with the crow's feet. So I'm like, oh, is it? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's what the prediction is supposed to be. I think that Jin took one of the samples of the blood for, you know, whatever reason. I think part of the reason is because, like, he isn't really a fan of what's his name? Yoshinobu anyways, like the whole organization. I think that Jin has this whole plan, like, to try to get rid of the organization so that he can leave as well. So I think he took one of the samples and he transformed. But like you said, you know, the feet impaled Tsuki, not the hands. And then you also saw a bloody Sawa on the back of the car. So it's like maybe the blood came from her. Mm-hmm. They're trying to throw us off into different directions, trying to make us predict the wrong thing. And we might be wrong. And honestly, I hope we are because that would be a good twist. But also it's a good prediction. I mean, it's it, it, it even if it's straightforward it carries the story forward because we don't know exactly what happened with those quite way blood we saw Jin throw the box into the fire but that doesn't mean that the actual pills or whatever were in there yeah i i think he took maybe just one sample and then then burned the other one just so he could prove that like you know it was it was burned yeah we don't know who the bird man is we think it's Jin, but that'll have to come later so After that scene, when they're done driving, Sawa is in bed at this cabin. And then Jin walks in. She wakes up. And he's like, you've been sleeping for four days. 
So this is four days later after that incident. So he's like, drink this hot water. Once you finish it, I'm going to make something to eat. He's like, I'm going to go get some food. And so he takes the sword so that she doesn't have anything to like, you know, use against him. I can't remember if there was a scene before it, but then he, he gets back with the sack of food. Was there a scene that I'm missing? Um, Sawa, she was depressed. So she walks outside. Oh, right. And she's so depressed that she is going out her way to commit suicide. So she walks further into ocean sea, Japan, so I'm assuming an ocean. And... Yeah, she just falls forward and it's just starts sinking. And then right. that moment is when Jin comes back with Sakfu. Nana shows up like, hey, come with me. Like, you know, just yeah. talking at it and it's this. And Jin, whatever reason, just knows like, oh, shit, something's wrong. And then just drops mm-hmm. the Sakfu and just starts following Nana to where Sawa is. Yeah, so he, he runs to the beach where Sawa was trying to kill herself because she's just so fucking sad in the head. and Like, you know, she's just done. So... Like, you know, it's coming. He saves her from the water and, you know, she's saying like, why won't you just let me die? And he's like, no, you can't die. I won't allow you to die. I mean, he he talked about his reasons later, but it was also just kind of like, it came off as like really selfish. Like he only wanted her to be alive because like of something that he wants her to do. But when they go back to the cabin, he, you know, opens up a little bit more, says that his real name is Yori. Yeah, Makabe or something. Yori Makabe. Yeah, Makabe. And uh, so his name isn't actually Jin. And he's saying, like, I was abused and exploited my whole life. And I just wanted to be, like, free, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I think, like, he's he's secretly planning to, like, take down the organization from within. Mm-hmm. And in case for those of you who are listening, I don't know how you just think of Jin, but so far for most of the series, Jin has been a very, I want to say stoic character, not really showing a lot of emotions. And as you said in episode five, Adam, that when you saw Jin running towards Sawa, you're not really seeing him caring. In this episode, you definitely in episode eight, you see a lot of emotion coming from Jin. From the first moment you see him driving towards the cabin, after picking up Sawa, saying, I'm not going to let her die, like with a very certain face, like him gritting his teeth. And then from seeing Nana, like he freaks out, like, oh no, like something must have happened. So he runs after. He saves Sawa from the ocean and then just literally starts yelling at her, saying, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let this happen. And then Sawa's all depressed, like, why are you not letting me die? And then Jin is just remaining very calm. And then you see like a little sadness on his expression as he really trying to open up. Well, cause like he gave her like a cup of water again or something like that. And then she threw the, the mug and it broke on the floor. So then instead of yelling at her, he went to go pick it up. And so then she's like, she comes over and with, with a piece of the broken cup in his hand, uh, it's like ceramic. So it'll cut like skin. And uh, so she puts it up to her neck and she's like, just kill me. Like, just end it for me like i don't want it anymore blah 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 so then she's like you had no compassion for hanakaze when you killed her like why can't you just kill me and then he gets like really really angry and then he almost does it but then he pulls his hand down and then that's when he starts opening up like you can tell that like this is the first time that he's really opening up with someone since you know the person that he was talking about he said he had like fallen in love before and she died the only person that like ever treated him like a human uh and that's where they have this connection because like asahi was the only person to treat sawa like a human so then they're kind of connecting on some levels so then you know he gives his real name and he is showing a lot of emotion whereas literally in every episode before he was just this like like you said stoic guy will just kill anyone to, to accomplish his mission type type of dude so that was a very uh like heavy scene for both of them, I think, because then he's saying like, you can't die because, and that's where it comes back to the selfish thing. Like you can't die because I didn't die. It's like, well, you know, you even said that you don't understand or can't understand where she's coming from. So it's like, just because you didn't kill yourself, she can't, I don't know. I mean, she also says that what it's, she has to live for the people that, that she meant and that meant a lot to her. Mm. I mean, and plus, I don't 
think Jen said this, but you know, her brother said like go on live, even though Saul was gonna die. So that'll be kind of I don't think Jen said this, but at least I was thinking like that'll be kind of like a disrespect to what your brother wanted. Your brother wants you to live. Yeah. And then Asahi wants you to live. So I know you lost him, but for those wishes that you people that you lost trying to protect them, it's like it's kind of a disrespect. So I can see it that way, but Jen never mentioned that. And based off what he was saying, I can see what he's saying, but yeah, it is kind of like selfish or self-centered just because he didn't. It's survivor by she's going through this. And yeah, I'm helping I'm glad that Jen, you know, pushed her to want to live. Right. There was a flashback to her brother saying, as long as there's one person from her bloodline who's alive, this'll it'll never be over or something like that. Which could be taken two ways. Like one, it could be like, oh, it'll never like people are gonna keep on dying around her that she cares about. But then also, as long as you're still alive, all of our bloodline is still alive too. So I guess she's leaning more in the second direction, saying like, okay, well, maybe I, I do have to live because then, you know, my my bloodline or like, you know, my people don't die out. Yeah, okay, even Jen said like, be proud of your blood. Yeah, be proud of who you are. Like, you know, you can't die just because like shit's really hard. You deserve more than that. So how did that scene end? I can't remember. Oh, before we get into that though, and this goes into my second position, why I think the first the crow was Jin. So we see a flashback of Jin when he's talking about like who his real name is and like his family history. And he's in a field and then I'm assuming that woman is his mother. That's kind of like blurred out. And the only reason I'm wondering if Jin is actually, if he knows it or not, is a Karasumori. And I and I'm only saying this because the the field or the scene that it was in, it seems similar to when you see Sawa and her brother like flashback. Like that whole setting seems very similar to that. So I'm yeah. wondering if Jin is actually a Kara Samorti or not. Maybe. Because we haven't seen him bleed, so we don't know if he has blue blood. Exactly. Like ever. He's been in a few fights, like, but we never actually see him bleed at all. So maybe, maybe he's he's part of it and he knows it and that's but he's not going to say it or he doesn't know it and but he that's why he just has this like strong inclination to keep her alive because like they're they're family i'm not sure which way to go with that because like it seems like they are starting to like love each other which is kind of the obvious way it can go but then also because it's kind of weird maybe that's like another clue as to the fact hopefully that they are related. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it could be a familiar love, but it's like a romantic love. That would be weird because Jin was a grown as adult when he picked up little Sawa. But yeah. then, I don't know, in that time period, I don't know if it was still common or not for grown men to marry teenagers and stuff like that. So, it's been a thing in history. So I hope I hope that's not where it's going, <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. This anime is already really fucking weird so after that she goes to bed and then Jin goes out to the same beach and all of a sudden chris was right yeah chris was right uh i was wrong none other than hanakaze walks up and uh she's pregnant as fuck yeah big belly big ass belly so like you know what chris said a few episodes ago we never saw hanakaze's face in that burnt down house you know Jin actually did help her escape by setting that up. And maybe that's why Jin got so mad. Like, I saw, like, you didn't have any compassion towards Hanakaze. Well, fun fact, he actually did. Yeah, he actually did help her escape. So she walks up. She's like, thanks for the party invite. And I guess I really do owe you one. And so she's like, does, uh, does Sawa know about this? And he's like, you know, no, obviously not. And, uh, that was pretty much the episode, uh, uh, end of episode eight. Yeah, um, he said one last mission. So it one seems, last mission, right? It seemed like we're wrapping up. So, I'm thinking, is Hanakaze about to be on a mission with that pregnant ass belly? I don't know, and it, I don't know if you uh, caught onto this too. Like throughout the episode, um, Jin kept on saying that like I only have like three 
days left or like i only have a little bit of time left like, yeah left that's what, what i'm wondering what like that mean yeah are you dying soon like are you sick like what's going on is there if he is a car somewhere is there a secret to no i don't think so i don't think that would be the case i don't think like did they cause more die early but i don't think that's the case because sawa has some elderly ass people that she talked to so i don't think so but yeah i wonder could it be then so we have one last mission apparently to look forward to in, involving Jin, Sawa, and Hanakaze, or maybe just Jin and ha- Hanakaze. I don't know. I mean, I would assume Sawa is going to be involved. Um, but I think the last mission will be something revolving uh, them three taking down the organization. We still have to figure out whatever Suki found out in those documents that she was looking for. Because in one of them, it said like the Karasumori, like, secret information about the Karas Mori clan, but we never figure out what it was. So we still have to learn more about exactly that. And she was talking about your revenge is not yet completed. So like what does that entail exactly? Yeah, like like Suki definitely read something in those documents and that's why she was like that that was another reason why she was driven to madness because saying like obviously with her being obsessed and you know going getting pretty sick with the pills and stuff. Um, and then finding out that information where she was like, oh, I, this is something to get passionate about. Like, what is it? So Tsuki said the revenge isn't, isn't done. Saba needs to do some more killing. I don't know who exactly. I'm sure we'll find out very soon. And it's going to involve Jin, Hanakaze, and Sawa all working together for one last mission. So and that should be interesting. And then uh, maybe we'll find out who this uh, Birdman is next episode. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll find out what that Birdman is because you know what I also found interesting now that I think about it. I you see a red moon, you see a crow, like and that when a Birdman first showed up, it was a red moon, then a crow suddenly appears. And now I'm thinking that's very Itachi Uchiha vibes. Mm. I don't know, like the red moon, I'm thinking about the Tsukiyumi, even though the red moon is not specifically Itachi. Well, I guess it could be when he murdered his clan. I'm just more thinking right. about the infinite Tsukiyumi. And then you just see a whole bunch of crows. I'm like, huh. So I'm thinking this show is very fan. This show might be fan Naruto because Janome had very much Orochimaru vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I feel like they're very heavily inspired by Naruto. Could be in terms of uh, the storytelling aspect. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, you know. It's not a bad thing if they're paying homage to Naruto. I mean, it's it's working so far. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got a lot to look forward to in the next four, the last four episodes of the season. I guess we'll see by the time this episode ends, will there be a second season or will it be just a one and done? It's looking like a one and done by the pacing, so. Yeah, like if they if they do end up taking down the organization, like where do they go from there? Is it just going to be a happy ending? Honestly, I'm okay with it being a one and done yeah, season. Yeah, it's like great. A lot of things show. happen. There's... A lot, a lot happened, and it's something that you can pay attention to. And I feel like if you watch it enough times, you'll probably catch certain things. Like, oh wow, I didn't notice that foreshadowing earlier because right. this anime doesn't explicitly tell you anything. Right. Yeah, you have to think for yourself a lot, and that's why uh, you know I think it's been a good show to 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 have on have on our show. It's for sure. It's quick, it's- easy. 100%. But like like we said, we still have four more episodes, so we can't get ahead of ourselves. Uh, I hope you guys are following along. And if you're not watching, like I said earlier, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying our uh, our discussions and theories. And, you know, if, if it's if it's sounding a lot like an audio book, I hope we're doing a decent job. There's been a lot when <laughs> when it's like me, you and Chris all just going back and forth about what's happening in the show. Because Chris likes to do this thing where he's like, hold on, hold on, and then he'll step back like 10 minutes in the episode. I'm like, God damn it, Chris. <laughs> I'll do the opposite, though. I'll jump forward like 20 minutes, and I'll be like, I forgot something, did I? Didn't I? So as long as we're all, uh, you know, staying on on pace some way, somehow, typically it's you kind of bringing us back to where we need to be. So for those listening, I hope we're doing a decent job of that. Let us know. DM, DM us at Otaku Street Pod on Twitter, and We'll adjust the panel and the feedback for yeah. the few people that do listen. Hope you don't hate us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but 
Yeah, that was a fun. That was fun doing a duo. It was a nice. It was yeah. a different change of pace, but we got we talked about a lot, especially with the double with this double double as Chris likes to say. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna do uh, the the last four episodes. We're we're only gonna need two podcasts to get those get, to get those done. I think it's time we wrap this this bad boy up in uh, in Otaku Street fashion and taking on with the next show. But exactly until then and until the next two weeks are done and we get another show on. Peace out and Otaku Street out. We out. Peace.